Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. I'm a life coach, author, and speaker. I also work full-time as a process analyst in the power industry. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jessie Tuggy, and I've had diabetes for nine years. I love hiking and painting. I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after I get my degree in college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my life and my future to learn everything I can about type 1 diabetes. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 73 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. In our first ever guest episode, in episode four, we talked to my sister about her perspectives as my sibling when I have type 1 diabetes. Today, we have Jesse's brother, Charlie Tuggy, on the show to share his perspectives as a sibling to someone with type 1 diabetes. Now, Jesse has the win this week. So, Jesse, what is your win? All right. My win this week is that I got to adult this week. So my truck got involved in a hit and run. I didn't hit anybody. A woman hit me in my parking lot at my work and she just didn't see where she was going looking at her phone, you know. But this is my first experience with major car things happening in my life. So thank goodness to my parents. But wow, adulting kind of sucks if I'm not going to lie. So anyways, my win this week is that I kind of, I feel like I handed it better than I expected I would have. Welcome to adulthood. Congratulations. So I have a fail this week and my fail was having lows a few times this week that needed more Smarties than I would like to eat to bring them out. It's kind of annoying. This is days where I have to have like 9, 10, 11 rolls of Smarties throughout the day, not in like one go. I think it has to do with my insulin sensitivity maybe some overbolusing, and then my control IQ algorithm giving me more insulin than I need to when it gives me automatic corrections. So sometimes I'll go basically straight arrow up to 140. It'll give me an automatic bolus, but then I'll go straight back down to 80. So it needs to figure out that that's not exactly what it should do. So I think it's a sign I need to go in and adjust my ratios and my sensitivity and just play with that for a bit. Jesse, what is our hack this week? All right. My hack this week would be to keep backup supplies in or on your nightstand because I just had an experience last night where I had to get up at 3 a.m. to change my entire site and not just part of it because I was not prepared enough in my room that I had to go in my kitchen in the cold in the middle of the night and change out my site. So that wasn't fun, but it is what it is. All right. And now here is Charlie. All right. So today we have my brother on the show. Welcome, Charlie. Hi, I'm Charlie. I'm Jessica's brother. So give us the rundown of who you are and what role diabetes plays in your life. The role that diabetes plays in my life is my sister is a type 1 diabetic, as probably all of you know, because she runs the show. Tell us, do you remember anything before diabetes-wise, like pre-diabetic Jessica? I remember I remember you a lot more loose about eating sugar. Yeah. Like, I remember you had not just one birthday cake, but, like, three one year for your birthday, and that was, like... That was so much work. Yeah, that was... And then I remember afterward, you 
wouldn't eat nearly as much sugar. And it was kind of, it was kind of up in the air to me as to why, because I still really hadn't comprehended all of the diabetes stuff, but it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, like, do you remember any family history of diabetes? I think one of our great aunts or something had diabetes. Like it was granny. Granny. Yeah. So that's our great grandmother on our mom's side, our mom's grandma. And she had type two diabetes and she passed away at the age of 92, about 10 years ago now. So what are your favorite and least favorite things about type one diabetes? Or do you have any since you're the sibling? Or... I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't really say there's... Okay, one one of my favorite things about having a diabetic sister is that all of the junk food in the house, that that's all me. I get to eat all of that. It's true. I don't touch it. Yeah. A lot of the chips and like microwave burritos and stuff, that's all me. I know. Yeah. I'm so jealous because it smells so good. Yeah. And then I'm like, I can't eat that. Are you the Halloween candy fiend too? Yeah, yeah. He took our entire bowl of Halloween candy this year, brought it to his room, and the only thing left when we brought it downstairs because I wanted some was Butterfingers. Yeah, everything except for the Butterfingers. (laughs) And it was after Halloween, so like I didn't eat it before any of the kids could get to it. I like I gave them their fair shot. (laughs) You know, we didn't get any trick or treaters this year though, so it was it was okay. It was fine. So, what's your least favorite thing about? me having diabetes it doesn't really affect me that much anymore because you're really independent about it but when you were first getting diagnosed i remember i didn't get like any attention from mom and dad that's true like i remember you went to the hospital and you were there for a week and a half week and a half but i remember that was like the longest week and a half of my life because i was at home alone for the first time in my life because mom and dad were going to you every single day how well, old were you at that time? I was six or seven. Yeah. Wow. And I, no, it's like, I, I understand it's way more traumatic to be the, the child going through all of that. But it's just like, I was kind of left on the back burner, honestly. Like, A little bit, yeah. Like my mom's mom, who we call Emma, she would come over. I remember she came over for the first day, but it was like at three o'clock in the afternoon and Mom and dad had already been in the hospital all day. I thought you were at school. No, they oh. they kind of like pulled me out of school because it was just like, we're just going to give you some time because you probably don't understand what's going on. And we're going to give you time to figure it out. But I, I think gradually I comprehended that diabetes was like a permanent thing in your life. And then, of course, going to the doctor's appointments and sitting in on some of them, I understood that what it was actually. And that actually gave me an understanding of, yeah, understanding of what everything was. Yeah. As far as I like that you mentioned that because my sister never went to doctor's appointments with me. Oh, no, we dragged him along. Yeah, no, I didn't, <laughs> right, I was, we didn't even drag her, my sister along at all. The, so. the promise of going to the doctor's appointments honestly kind of scared me. Like, it was scary. Well, then the insulin, it smells like the doctor's office. Right. If you go into the doctor's office, guaranteed you're going to smell insulin. It's true. And I don't know if that's like residual insulin that's left in the doctor's office or if insulin just happens to smell like the doctor's office, but that's, that's the way it is. So I was always like freaked out smelling insulin in the house because I would associate it with being at the doctor's. Well, you've got a permanent doctor's office in your house now. Yeah. So that's not fun, but it's our life. 
Okay. So do you know what burnout is? I'm guessing it's when you just like put too much stress on yourself being a diabetic. And then you just kind of like go through a, a few months of depression. And not necessarily depression, just more like really stressed out, kind of like, okay, I'm done kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of let it fall apart a little bit. So what does burnout look like to you when it comes to diabetes? Like, is there ever been moments where you're just like, oh, I can't handle this right now? Well, you've you've been you've done a good job of keeping it to yourself mostly. Like the most I ever had been impacted by diabetes was definitely when you were when you were going to the doctor's appointments really often and I was getting dragged along with that. You know, often this hasn't changed. It's just we don't bring you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just seemed more frequent at the time for me. That's true. Okay. So do you have any advice for the siblings that might feel like they're going through kind of like the burnout and like they're really stressful of having a sibling with diabetes? I wouldn't say advice for the, the, the siblings of people with diabetes because of course it'll like every single like traumatic event in everybody's life, it just builds character. Right. So I don't think there's really anything to say to the the kids whose siblings have diabetes. I think it's more towards the um, uh, the parents who have one kid who has diabetes and another kid who doesn't. Because, like I said, I was left on the back burner for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I know there was like I probably perceive it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But like my perception is my reality of it. Right. And I just kind of. Um, I'm sure you noticed it, but I went through a bit of a phase where I kind of rejected mom and dad for yeah, a, a few years just because I was like, well, if you guys aren't going to pay attention to me, I'm just going to like completely ignore you guys. Yeah. And that w- could have been avoided if I feel like it stemmed from yeah. the diabetes, but it, that is definitely not everything that had to do with it. Yeah. So you think like giving that extra attention to the kid without diabetes would be good and really helpful. Yeah. Well, I understand like it's really hard to, to give attention to one kid when you're so concerned for another child's safety. Mm -hmm. But even if it's just, you know, taking the kid along and, you know, talking very like just trying to explain what, what diabetes is, how it's happening, maybe, you know, take, take one, like, the sibling to go out and get ice cream or something afterward, just be like, okay, like on positive reinforcement, this is what's happening. We're trying to uh, give you attention, but we can't give you all of our attention right now. Cause that that's another thing is nobody really explains to me why you needed that much attention to me. It was just like, Oh, Jessica's just in the hospital for a week. Yeah. I don't really understand why I didn't, you know, I didn't get it at the time. Okay. So you just say attention to the other kid. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that going to the doctor's appointments helped you a little bit? I think it helped me understand it more. Okay. That was probably one of the big things. But there was still like... A lot of stuff that like you didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So knowing what you know now, what are some of the things that we could have done differently or you could have done differently like the first couple of years of diagnosis? I would just say information. I, if I got more information about that stuff, then probably would be a lot more understanding. Mm-hmm. And given I probably was, I had it explained to me probably like once or twice, mm-hmm. but 
A, it was probably not in a like child-friendly way to where I could understand any of the language. And B, it was probably in a, um, uh, I didn't want to listen to it because I was just like, you guys just dipped out on me for a few days and now like, I don't want to listen to you guys. I just want, want everything to go back to normal. I want your guys' attention again. Yeah. But that's just the thought process of a little kid. And yeah. you can't really do anything. I would just like try to try to spend time with the the sibling is the siblings tr- like try equally it's always going to lean more towards the diabetic just because like the specific diabetic things mm-hmm. but you were really like self-sustaining as far as diabetes from the first from as far as i can remember you you've been very independent with your diabetes and that probably helped me get over like pent-up aggression towards and mom and dad for yeah. all of that but yeah that's that's probably what i have to say about that topic okay do you have on a lighter note do you have like a favorite or cherished memory with type one like involving type one diabetes no, no. <laughs> i don't think there's any favorite memory with that okay that's good question. yeah uh, would uh, charlie would you have wanted to go to panther camp with jesse I would have felt out of place. I had the option to my mom. She asked me, hey, do you want to go to this camp with Jessica? And because the Camp Baraka was also a part of Camp Panther Camp. And I was going to Camp Baraka at the time. And I was like, no, I don't want to feel out of place there. I know some kids did that. Mm -hmm. But honestly, just going to the graduation at the end, I kind of got or I feel like I got the gist of what Panther Camp was. And I didn't think it would be really beneficial for me to go to the panther camp okay and another thing yeah is the diet sodas i know that's like oh my thing, gosh the cream camp, sodas right and i i didn't like, <laughs> I, didn't, I love those i didn't like those at all and i know you guys were big on those so that's another thing <laughs> i loved the grapefruit shastas I'm pink grapefruit ones. Yeah. I can't stand the the crystal light, but give me those pink grapefruit shasses all day. That's true. <laughs> true that. Good memories. Okay. So did you know what diabetes we kind of asked you this earlier, but did you know what diabetes was before I got it? No, absolutely not. Oh well, you have to keep in mind I was I was younger Six. than you were, yeah. right? You getting explained to diabetes, like this is what's happening in your body. You probably didn't know half of what they were saying. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea either. Okay. What was your first impression of diabetes? The first thing I remember. I was like, once you learned what diabetes, what was, what was your like, oh. I remember they were explaining how to put in like that little like sticky patch that connects to the pump. The Mio? I think so. Wait, no, is it the, like, the thing with the tube that goes yeah. in? Yeah, yeah, And they were explaining, like, in a conference room, they had, you yeah. pull, pull back one, and then you pinched it, and it shot out. I remember I was so scared of that thing. <laughs> I, I, was, you know, I was sitting right next to my mom, and I was like, I don't want to do that. Even though there wasn't a needle on it, but I'm like, I'm still afraid of needles, probably based on just seeing that needle really? out of it that quick. No, because I remember, I mean, probably kind of off topic, but when I broke my collarbone, I was going in for surgery. They put an IV in my hand. I was so scared of that. I like my, I was like clenched up and everything. I was like, like, this is going to hurt. And she ended up botching it. So I guess I was kind <laughs> of in the right for being scared of it and blood ended up shooting out of my hand. But it was like, a, it's like a residual thing is 
those oh needles. Oh my god, I'm so me. sorry. No, it's it's fine. I remember there was like other families in the conference room when they taught. Did you know I was the first one to put it in, like out of that conference room? No, oh. no, I didn't. I'm sure mom told me, but I just didn't know. If you had the option to skip out on that meeting, would you have? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. That one. Okay. So none of the like special needle ones you would want to go to, but like the regular doctor's appointments, you'd probably find going. I didn't want to go to any of them, but I feel like getting some exposure to it really helped out my understanding of diabetes. And then do you remember being in the hospital at all? I remember going and there was like a house next to the hospital mm-hmm. and it had like a massive pantry with a bunch of cans in it. And like, it was like a hotel for like people whose families were in the hospital or something. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I remember. And that was paid for by the church right next to the hospital. I can't remember it and remember the name of it, but a tree house. Didn't your mom talk about that? Yes. Tree house. Yeah. So big shout out to them and big thank you for letting my family stay there. Yeah, that was, that was pretty nice. Yeah. I remember going into your hospital room once and the thing that like it burnt me was, uh, you got to watch TV whenever you wanted. And I was so (laughs) upset because, you know, I couldn't watch TV whenever I wanted. So I was like, Jessica, like, why can't I get that? I don't want to be the one. Because you'd sit in this bed that, to me, it looked super cool because it was like space age. It had a remote that would go up and down. And it would, you know, it was like a, a hospital bed. And then with the remote, you could watch TV on the same remote. And I was like, this is so cool. You could pick any of the channels. I remember dad saying something like, yeah, I couldn't sleep last night. So me and Jess were up watching TV till like three. And then I was like, so there's no bedtime here. Yeah. <laughs> so you thought I was on like mini vacation. Well, I knew there was something wrong because I remember the, the heart monitor that they put on your finger. Uh-huh. Like that freaked me out. And just. It was such an unnatural environment. That's mm-hmm. another thing that kind of shocked me. Yeah. But yeah, I remember the the heart monitor they put on your finger. It was uh, like mom called it a lightsaber or something mm-hmm. like a lightsaber from Star Wars. And I was like, that's kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. There was certain bits of that where I was just like, that kind of scares me. But you, Do you know. remember all the presents we got? <laughs> no. No. I remember getting a Tron toy and that's it. Oh my gosh. So my, my mom had the best coworkers probably. Well, you got most of them. That's another thing. Oh, that's you right. Got, like all of the gifts out of that. So they piled up a bunch of money. And then one of my mom's coworkers went to the store and like got us all of these toys and brought them to the hospital for us. And I did get a lot of them now thinking back on that because it was intense and like kind of scary but then they had a big bag for charlie and a big bag for me and i re- that's what i remember i didn't get a big bag by the way i got like one tron toy and i anyway. did not know that um, um no but it was like you say it went to us at the hospital i was only in the hospital one day oh really i thought you were I only from went there for one day and then oh. i was at home the rest of the time i didn't know that well i stayed like i stayed at night at the Tree the treehouse yeah. and i think it was either the day after or the day before that i went to the hospital but i remember distinctly that i was only in there for one day this episode is sponsored by shape and foster shape and foster is a lifestyle development app that provides monthly actionable insight from six experts in mental health 
financial planning, nutrition, fitness, yoga, and a life coach. It's a one-stop shop for self-improvement. The app and its web-based counterpart provide a proactive and informed approach to improving your mental well-being by enabling good practices and positive habits to build. Lifestyle development is about enhancing your quality of life by improving awareness, identity, and potential. Shape and Foster is community-based with access to the experts right there. And it's touted as one community of actionable insight. Visit inspiredforward.com slash shape and foster for your free 14-day trial. And now back to our conversation with Charlie. Okay. Do you know what insulin is? Yeah, it's what lowers your blood sugar. That's what gets put into the pump. I'm so proud of you for knowing that. Yeah, that's just, I feel like anybody who's immediate family with somebody with diabetes should understand like what goes into successfully managing diabetes. Like the general premise of it? Yeah. Okay. If need be, would you feel comfortable giving me a glucagon shot? Glucagon is the... EpiPen kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's just on your thigh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, as long as I found one, I have no idea where you keep those. Oh, we should probably tell you that then. That would be a good idea to do that. So do you have any friends with diabetes? Or do you know anybody else with diabetes? Does Nick have diabetes? Yeah. Yes, I do. Somebody... <laughs> he did a good job hiding it honestly which is terrible i would talk to him multiple times about that well i don't think it was it just like he realized this doesn't need to play a big role in my life and i can just act like a normal kid which like i understand how that's not necessarily the healthiest way to go about it but it is like i thought it was pretty healthy and it was like cool of him and we used to, he played trombone and I played trumpet. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were in marching bands together and we were always standing next to each other. And it was just like going back and forth with jokes, you know, just oh, nice. Does he still drink like the, the regular pops? No. And he's only ever drank diet sodas. Oh, he's drink a lot of caffeine though. That's what it was. It was a lot of caffeine. I knew this kid too. I wasn't as close with him though. So what's the hardest part of having a sister with diabetes? You having diabetes isn't really hard for me. I would say the attention you got from having diabetes was the hardest part for me. Charlie specifically asked for this question. Do you think there is food distribution problems in our household at all? Uh, no, I think it's it's good the way it is. And the way it is is I get a lot of the food as soon as it comes into the house. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I am a growing teenage boy. I need all the nutrients I can get. Even if that means microwaved everything. Including Hot Pockets and... Mozzarella sticks. You take all of the mozzarella sticks. Do you know how bad I want some of those? And then by the time I get home from work, just two hours later, they're gone. It's not my fault you don't eat them as soon as they get into that house. (laughs) I just got to say, my college self totally identifies with all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what are some foods that you know... Are just for me in the house. I feel like forever I've known that the like the Welsh Welsh's. I think that's what they're called, the mm-hmm. Welsh's fruit gummies. Yep, that's for Jessica. Yeah, like some small candies, like Smarties, like Colleen has there. Yep, my Smarties are mine only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see. The sugar free. Uh, those like tubes of frosting in the utility drawer in the kitchen. <laughs> that's yes, for Jessica. Sugar free like candies that's for jessica and that's another thing soda pop 
now the only type of soda pop that my dad buys is diet. And then unless I specifically ask for regular Dr. Pepper, Coke, or Pepsi, that's all my mom buys too is the diet stuff. So that's kind of a neutral, neutral ground there. I have a question for you though. Do you touch my sugar-free coffee syrup? I didn't know you had sugar-free coffee syrup. Okay, that's good. Okay, let's I, keep it that way. I just way. saw there was like coffee syrup in the fridge and I just that's used fine. that stuff. Don't touch it. I felt like a setup. <laughs> that's the only coffee syrup though. It, there's more. I'll show you where it's at. Okay, true. And answer truthfully. This is definitely a setup question. Yes, yeah. it is. Do you eat my low snacks? Yeah. <laughs> there's there's no doubt about it. I do. <laughs> I remember because you just leave them in the giant like Costco box of the Welch's. Yeah, I don't move them. Right, and there's just all there's one in the pantry, and I'd just be like, well, "Those look pretty good right now." <laughs> <laughs> so I just like grab a handful of them, go in my room. I don't, I don't know. I'd take like a handful once a week or something and just. And this um, is why they're gone so fast. I don't go low that often. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I notice if they're getting low, then I won't take any. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Have you heard any like diabetic jokes from your friends that you think aren't necessarily appropriate or okay? <laughs> Or do you make diabetic jokes? No, I don't make diabetic jokes, but I don't think there's a um, uh, a diabetic joke that I've heard that's not, like, okay. Like, I could see how some jokes are offensive if you take them literally. But honestly, who's to say who should or shouldn't be the joke police? Oh, I feel like okay. all jokes are jokes for the most part. And people shouldn't really be getting offended if somebody says... Hey, Jessica, do you want some of this ice cream? Oh, wait a minute. You're diabetic. <laughs> you <know. laughs> that was so lame. <laughs> like, you, know, you, you, get, you get the point, though. Yeah, I do. It's every diabetic joke that I've heard hasn't been directed at anybody. And it's just been like generally the kid with diabetes. And I don't think a lot of people know you or Nick as the kid with diabetes. So Okay. It's not really a, a direct joke. I feel like if it was directed at somebody, then it might be crossing the line into bullying. But I've never seen anything like that or heard anything like that. Well, that's good. That's a good perspective that I haven't thought about before. So thank you. So if I brought out some of like my Mio's and reservoirs and other diabetic equipment, would you be able to like name them? I don't think I would be able to name them, but I'd be able to tell you what it does. I'd be able to tell you what it does. I just wouldn't be able to name it. Okay. I'm going to be putting that to the test later today, though. What is something that freaked you out as a kid, but you're now okay with? Like diabetic wise. The diabetic wise. Those those popping little pink things that go pop when you squeeze them. Like the, the Mio's. Thing, the Mio's. Yeah. Yeah. Those things scare me. And the, well, not anymore. I'm kind of over the big fear of needles, but those things are like, those used to scare me, scare me. Jesse, were you ever on the quick sets or just the Mio's? Just the Mio's. I wasn't on the quick sets. Okay. I think the quick sets were actually a little bit scarier because you had to basically place the needle inside the stirter. Yeah. And then pull it back and then put it on like a Mio. Oh, it that's a sounds... lot. It was a lot easier to mess up. Yeah. I was just sitting there. That sounds scary, scary. So be glad you didn't have to use quick set. Yeah, no, I would I would have opted out of learning about the quick set. 
Like that's where I would draw the line. And <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to stay over here. Oh my gosh. Um, something I wouldn't say it freaked me out, but I thought it was kind of gross or the test strips. Yeah. Especially when you would just like throw them on the, the, the floor of the I car. I didn't and not clean them up. purposely throw them on the car. They just or fell like, out of my kit. You have a test kit and there's in the, like a pouch that you put them in and they're just loose in there. Test strips multiply. They do. It's not really something we can control. They just they just multiply and appear. My mom has actually found ancient used or even not used test strips just like around the house. <laughs> At one point she was cleaning off shelves and she found the old bear test strips, which were individually packaged. You had to peel it open. Oh my they went God. in they went yeah. into the meters that took 30 seconds to down to show you your number. And she found like really old strips. So they multiply, they stick around. Wow. So it's not just my problem. Yeah. No, it's everybody's problem. I don't have a big problem with littering. So I wouldn't be so mad if somebody like, oh, you know, dirty test strip and just like chucked it into the woods or something. Because it's so small. What's it going to hurt? Like The environment. We're not going to do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see your point. But it's, you know, find a trash can at least like every other day, maybe. <laughs> It's not, I don't feel like it's that hard. Like if oh, I drink a plastic water bottle every day and I can find a trash can for it, without a doubt, you can find a trash can for your tester. Do you like the smell of insulin? I do not like the smell of insulin. It smells like the doctor's office and I associate the doctor's office with the... Uh, bad juju? Bad, bad juju. Because I feel like the first time I really noted going to the hospital was when you were in the hospital. And then after that, every single time has been either something is broken or sprained. That's right. Yeah. Like my, I remember in middle school, my knee in elementary school, my thumb got broken. Recently, my collarbone, I have a massive scar from that one now. Yeah. Just like it's, and I don't have a problem with the doctors or anything. I think a lot of the nurses and doctors are really nice, but it's just, it's more of a chore than anything else because a lot of the times they'll just be like, oh, you're fine. Just like quit complaining and then go home. They actually told me that I didn't need surgery for my collarbone. Which was such a lie. It was like it was overlapping. Over, yeah. My collarbone was overlapping. If it, it was a skateboarding injury. And then it was like <laughs> it was like this, right? And this being it was, like it was almost poking poking through the skin. Yeah. Right. When I say this, I mean like totally overlapping and angled. It was almost poking through the skin. Yeah. If I was any skinnier, it would have without a doubt gone through the skin. Oh, I have something to note. When I uh, so when I broke my collarbone, I was riding my skateboard and I fell right, mm-hmm. and which happens a lot. But I was like going really fast down a hill, and this is what I relate being low to. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong or not. Okay. But after I woke up from being knocked out, I like I tried to stand up. And I just got like like stars going around my head. And then I had to like sit back down right away. I was super lightheaded. I felt like I was going to pass out the entire time. You know, it was just really like disorienting. Yeah, that's what Lo is being like. Yeah. I recently was like 50-ish, around 60. Maybe I think my my sensor was off. And so I could tell it was I was lower than it, it told me. But right. it was like all of the energy just drained out of my limbs and I couldn't stand up anymore. So I had to go sit. That's yeah. what it's like. 
Yeah, I remember that. Like the the adrenaline of after I got up, like I could grab my skateboard and walked over to the curb. You know, some lady stopped and asked me if I was okay, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm fine." I wasn't, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember like getting stars, and I almost passed out again. You know, and that was really scary because I was alone. Yeah. Right, and then I, I ended up calling my mom, and she like I had to stay on the phone with her until she picked me up because she didn't know where I like. I told her exactly where I was, and she was like, "Where's that?" Well, she was really freaked out. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. No. I was at work when this happened, by the way, so I didn't know what was going on when I got home. That was fun. That's pretty much it. Because I tried walking home because I thought I could make it. Because it was only like five, ten minutes from my house. Yeah. Like, and I stood up. I walked like five steps, and I almost fell over. Yeah, that's what Lowe's like. Yeah. That sounds horrible. Yeah. That's like not drinking any water for like two and a half days and then trying to run a mile. Yeah. And then on top of that, you get like super shaky. Yeah. You get like a panic attack, like Mm -hmm. shock starts setting in. Yeah. All right. Well, that was what I had to say about it. That was my little question. Okay. Do you have any advice for the specifically for siblings of diabetics? Take interest in what your siblings are going through because I didn't, I feel like that's always the worst way to start out advice. Do this because I didn't do it and I ended up fine. But actually it's like, it's really important that you realize uh, what your sibling is going through. So if there is an emergency, you can help your sibling. And if anything is wrong or even just getting a better grasp over things. So in the future, you won't resent your parents or your siblings for something that happened that's completely out of your control. Actually, I have um, thought of something. Have you ever had to defend Jessie for her diabetes? Not that I can think of. No, I don't think I ever have had to defend you. If there was a time when she was really getting bullied, then I would have stepped in. But I don't ever think there was a time where she was getting specifically picked on or picked out for being uh, different. And I was there. That's really good to know. It never got to that point where you have to defend her. I see. That's another thing. I don't think bullying is as much of a thing as it was 10 years ago. You know? Yeah. Mean girls was popular. (laughs) Yeah. No, but it's, it's more like, it's like people won't tell you if they're, trying to make fun of you now because yeah. it, it's so indirect because people are scared of getting in trouble that they'll have their opinion of you and they'll just never tell you. So yeah, I think that that kind of helps with the diabetes, but you could be, you know, that, that creates a kind of a silence so that if, if you wanted to go to a diabetic person and say, Hey, I have a lot of respect for you for putting up with this thing, then they'll, they aren't going to be able to say it because they're too insecure and scared of, what if my friends aren't cool with that? What if I get like socially rejected for saying, Hey, you got this, you know, you're doing great with it. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Okay. So are there any like major projects that you want to talk about that you are excited about? I'm making skate videos. Like I've been into skateboarding for a little while now and I make skateboarding videos because I'm not good enough to be filmed. So I film people. And the first one is out. I'm going to be putting out a second one soon. The YouTube, like the channel is called Lee Hill Locals. Just all one word. 
the first video we put out is called Jiggin' and Finessing. But it was like, I was so hyped on it. It's the first video we put out. There is like some, I would like to say I didn't partake in this, but there's some like alcohol and like vape in that video. But that's just like background noise. So if they like, maybe not watch it with a little kid, but it's just like... Viewer discretion is advised. Yeah, it's, and there's some falling. There's like hardcore falling off of jumping off sets of four stairs. Yeah, that was fun to watch. There isn't any like dwelling on that type of stuff, but it is, I'm going to take more direction with the next one, split people's parts up into specific chunks. Mm-hmm. And that one should be out soon. Nice. Okay. If listeners want to connect with you online, where can they find you? I have an Instagram. It's C-U-G-T-U-G dot chip. <laughs> C-H-I-P. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Wait, C-H-U-G. Yeah. So it's chug tug chip. Yeah. So that's, I mean, if you want to connect with me, that's where you can. And where is your project located at on uh, Instagram? I have an Instagram for the skateboarding called Lee Hill Locals, all one word, like L E A, right on. That's, that's everything. That's everything. And there's a uh, there's a link to the YouTube in the Lee Hill, the, in the Lee Hill Locals Instagram. Awesome. Right on. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Jesse, what is our question for the audience? All right. Our questions for you guys this week is, what are some things your siblings want to know about diabetes? What are some questions that they have about diabetes? And let us know. And that is it for this episode of This is Type 1. Thank you so much to Charlie for coming on as a guest of the show. And you can find Charlie on Instagram at chugtug.chip. And then he also has another Instagram profile for his skateboarding videos. And that's at L-E-A Hill Locals, all one word. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 73. That's the number 73. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, we have a form now. So you can fill that out on our podcast page. And that's at thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. I have a free Facebook group where I coach people for free in the comments. And I also go live most Saturdays. You can join Life and Mindset Coaching by visiting the link in the show notes. I'm on all social media as at Inspired Forward. You can find me on DMP, which is Diabetes Management Platform, as at Colleen Mitchell with a space. Our email is Colleen at InspiredForward.com. And then I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. If you do reach out on Instagram, make sure you mention that you're a listener from the show. Next week's episode is pretty special. It's releasing on January 12th, 2021, which is 99 years and one day after insulin was first used to treat diabetes. So next week, we're going to tell you guys the story of the discovery of insulin and the shockwave that it sent through the medical community. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.